I'm Rudy Hayward. I'm Matt Jones. And this is How Did You Get Here? On today's podcast, we have the insanely inspirational entrepreneur, multi-award winning and fellow Brummie, True Powell on the show. So welcome, True Powell. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. Wow. (laughs) So the question is, how did you get here? Drove. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is a really good question. Um, So 36 years ago, um, my mother, bless her, she gave birth to two adorable twins. Um, That's both me and my brother and... Um, and that kind of, that's how I entered into the world. Um, and she's been a great inspiration to me my whole entire life. And, and one of the reasons why I work incredibly hard, because I just feel that my mom has taught me great lessons and, um, and I've seen my mom struggle. So just to put a bit of context, um, I am one of seven kids, six of whom are boys. Um, we grew up in the inner city area of Birmingham. So if you know Birmingham at all, you'll know Newtown, Stroke, Aston, where I spent most of my life. Um, and it wasn't a great area. It wasn't a desirable area. Um, and we had to fight and fight hard to stay out of trouble, <laughs> yeah. as it were. Um, but my mum was phenomenal and she knew education was a a thing that we needed to to do and yeah. she was really consistent with that um and she used to make sure that we would do things differently so she would make sure that we never had patterns in our hair for example mm-hmm. when everybody else was on unrolled walking with their jeans halfway down their backside my mom was no you're having a belt and you're like we she made sure that you know our upbringing was different to our peers um and i think for me that was my kind of first sign of okay i have to be different in order to strive strive and in order to create something magical for myself and to be something mm-hmm. um and, and and that was my i guess my first kind of life lessons through kind of learning and understanding why my mom made us do certain things and you know we were six boys in the yeah. inner city area of Birmingham. Like it was one of the most difficult things ever, but you know, we, we, we survived it. I can imagine that being quite difficult for, um, you know, your mom, I'm, I'm a shit, am I right? Mm-hmm. She was a single parent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, raising, raising six boys. Like I know, I know that raising one boy or, or even two boys is, is, is enough, right? Mm. So six boys. Wow. That's, mm. that's, it that was, been a lot. it was. And I, I think, from my mom. So she came out of a very abusive relationship. So that was actually one of our, one of my kind of first, I, I guess, tests of being resilient and, mm-hmm. um, and just seeing how strong my mum was and just seeing how she knew that she could no longer kind of withstand the abuse and was like, actually, I'm taking myself and my seven children um, away from this toxic situation um, was for me a was was very encouraging and very inspirational and and, and you know I, I was about four at the time when she left the the relationship and I just thought wow like you've came with absolutely nothing and you're literally starting again and starting over but one of the things that we always had was and it sounds cliche but we always had love we may not have had much materials and much things but we always yeah. had love and even now like our family are so so close like i'm close to every single one of my my brothers and and my sisters and yeah we may bicker but you you just wouldn't like we're so so close and you know i just i just give thanks for 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 mommy mommy shout out mommy (laughs) true she she sounds absolutely amazing yeah that must have taken a lot of courage Mm. so am i right in thinking that you're one of you you're a twin aren't you yeah so who would win in a fight Oh, <laughs> well, I was that yeah, five years ago, it might be, may have been my brother, but now, like, now that I've been going gym and I've been working out a bit more, and yeah, I'll definitely have it. I like the confidence. Yeah, I definitely have <laughs> it. Definitely, yeah. yeah. 
So, so tell us about, you know, obviously you've got a very impressive kind of work career um, and the businesses that you own. So tell us a bit about that and how, you, obviously you were, you've had a lot of drive from your upbringing, mm-hmm. but how did that develop and, and grow into what you are now? And You know, that is a really, really good question. And I think for me, I was always driven by success and what my idea of success was. And I I knew that from an early age, I was going to use enterprise as a way out of the ghetto, as it were, um, and to create a better life for for myself. And um, it all started at the tender age of seven years old. Um, I, I, I remember this, um, I, me and my brother, my twin brother, we were very creative when we were younger. We were always singing and dancing. Ask anybody about anybody that lived in our area would know that these twins were always singing and dancing everywhere (laughs) that we went. It was just, that, that's just what we did. And, um, I, I, I remember saying to my brother, right, we need to deliver and plan a talent show and he was like yeah let's do it so um so I remember sitting down and planning it all out I remember actually kind of gotting out a derelicted garage which was like a hundred yards from where we lived um I you know I remembered I actually remember to this day my mum telling me off because we used her house broom to sweep out the garage (laughs) you don't use a house broom outside like you just don't do that and um I I remember putting bricks on the floor for chairs for people to sit on um we must have broke every health and safety rule (laughs) going like it was just insane um i remember recruiting the um the the talent the young people as talent and saying look we're doing this talent show do you want to perform um wait a minute you were seven years old seven years old seven years old (laughs) recruiting at seven yeah literally and I, i i i remember just kind of listening to some of the songs that people were singing and and performing to and I just remember standing in the garage and just looking and seeing everybody who was there just enjoying what was going on and enjoying the talent show and what I didn't know then um was that I was actually kind of painting my destiny um as to what I do today and literally combining all my loves um so obviously being creative and singing and dancing and platforming talent and that's what I do now with young people I platform their talent with Aston Performing Arts Academy creating an event of course that's what I do now with my event management company I create events and awards and all sorts of stuff um but also um entrepreneurship and we charge people to come in um charge them 50 pence each and made a little profit and and I do that throughout kind of all my businesses and and, and I guess for me it was I was living my true, no pun intended, destiny at the tender age of seven years old and and, and the plan was already set. Um, But I, as you do, you go to to school and you don't, it doesn't really resonate with you and it doesn't clock with you. And um, my mum, as I mentioned, was all about education and kind of not really about enterprise. She didn't really understand um, business. So the the whole plan was to go to school, go to college, go to university, get a good job, blah, 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 blah. The traditional system. The traditional, right, right. So, you yeah. know. It's what we were all taught, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah, what, yeah, yeah what we're taught at school and, and, and everywhere we go. And my mum was a big, big advocate for that. You know, she, she always thought that I would be a journalist, bless her. And, um, and yeah, so I, I did that. Um, I'm what you probably called a, a parent pleaser. So I... I literally did all of that for mummy and yeah. um, went to university, got myself in thousands and thousands of pounds of debt. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, to please, to please mummy and um, got a job and I got a job in events. Um, so I initially first started um, at an art centre. Um, it was the Drum Art Centre in Aston. So it wasn't too far from where I lived. I used to walk there. Um, and... Yeah, it was a, a, um, a very exciting experience because I'd done loads of events for different artists and um, theatre. It was just amazing. And I was planning and delivering those kind of big events for like Music Soul Child and Flowetry wow. and you know, all these massive artists that was coming, neo-soul artists that was coming yeah. to, to Birmingham. And I was, 
you know, there's a little old me like doing their events. And um, then I got headhunted to go to a company called Marketing Birmingham and they did corporate events. So it was a completely different style of event. Um, But it was more for, I guess, the city's senior leader. So their partner events and their membership events. So at that point, it made, it positioned me to network quite beautifully because I was doing events for politicians as well. I was doing events for like, you know, Jeremy Hunt and Nick Clegg, when they were coming wow. into the, the city, there's a little old me having three weeks to pull together some major briefings and big events at um, ICC. And that, and that was that was great. And I spent like four or five years doing that. Um, and on the side, I was doing Aston Performing Arts Academy. Um, it makes me smile every time I speak about the academy because of the work that it does with young people. Um, been doing that for over 15 years now. Um, it's just been absolutely amazing. And we empower young people through performing and creative arts. So I was always doing that on the side, call it a side hustle. Yeah. Um, it was just my purpose in life to um, impact the lives of young people through performing arts. And um, You can sort of see the, the through line there from obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you being seven years old mm-hmm. and you seeing the struggle in the community Mm. it's so nice that you've not forgot that and then you've kind of later in life you've then gone back around to try and grow that oh 100 percent. and just uh, as a a side note i guess with aston performing arts academy um both me and my brother as i said we were just singing and dancing all the time and imagine two boys in a family of six boys who all love football and you've got these two black boys that just want to sing and dance. Yeah. There was nowhere at all for us to do it. And, and actually, it come to a point where we had to perform in a group called Quan, and that was the acronym for Queen of the Night. So imagine 30 girls and then just two black boys. I mean, we were called every name under the sun. It just wasn't a safe space emotionally for... Yeah for two young black boys to practice what they love. Yeah. Um, and we both vowed, like, from then that we are going to create something to make young black boys feel safe to practice their art in the inner city. And that's how and why we do, you know, Aston Performing Arts and and something that I'll do to the day I die because I believe it's incumbent upon me to provide that safe space for young black boys to sing if they want to sing and 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 you're noticing like most of our performances and stuff you know we we have repertoire like spice girls and we do lots of twerking and i expect yeah. the boys to do the twerking um <laughs> but, quality for all now yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a safe space and 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 that's what i wanted to create and true so i've been to some of your events and they are absolutely fantastic so the kids are so talented mm. If you rewind 20 years, imagine if Aston Performing Arts Academy was available for you uh, and your twin. How do you think that would have impacted you fast-forwarding another 20 years? Oh, my... Yeah, I'll be on par with Beyonce. I'm just telling you that. (laughs) Like, that's how it would have impacted me. I would have definitely... Both of us would have definitely been superstars um, because we loved it that much and... Um, it was really, it's, it's difficult and it was difficult for my mum to encourage it because yes, on the one hand, she wanted us to do what we loved, but then she also saw the the dark side of it and mm-hmm. it was a dark side. There was, you know, you would get ripped, you would get ridiculed for yeah. even trying to sing a no. Um, and, and she'll be like, well, just, you know, why don't you just do football? And I'm like, I don't want to do football. Like, he wants to kick a ball around. Like, I want to go on that stage and sing, mummy. Um, And so I I always think if we had something like Aston Performing Arts, then, yeah. And if if I had a mentor like True (laughs) to encourage that performance and to encourage that, then I, yeah, I definitely, definitely would have been huge. So the guys and girls at Aston Performing Arts Academy, they are so lucky to have you and your twin, aren't they? Listen, oh... I, I say it all the time, I say, you guys don't actually understand. Like, I mean, we had a meeting yesterday um, with some of the performers um, and they were like, oh, we don't want to perform anymore. 
And I wasn't sad. I was like, that is so amazing. Like you've performed literally everywhere. You've performed hundreds of times on massive stages to the point now where you're sick of performing. Can you just listen to how that sounds? Like mm. I would have killed for that. Imagine being sick of performing because you've done it that much times. <laughs> like that opportunities and, and it you wasn't know, available. It wasn't available. And we have performed literally particularly in the Midlands, like any event, any major main scale award, like we've done it, we've done it all. We've wore the t-shirt and it's just been a crazy ride. And we've been doing it for the last 12 years, maybe, um, just constantly. And, you know, we were for a very, very long time, the most preferred entertainment supplier in the Midlands. Like any event, you will see Aston Performing Arts without a doubt. So um, just to kind of move forward slightly because you've also got you know that's not the only business that you have that's contributing to the community no so tell us about the other businesses that you have and what made you kind of go into those sectors as well and how did you do it because for, for a lot of the, the our listeners and, and the people that are watching on youtube today a lot of those are going to be individuals that are going to want to either take a new career path mm. or they're looking to uh, further their career, perhaps in the same the same industry that yeah. you're in. Yeah. How? What advice could you give them as well? Yeah. So, I would like to say that the <laughs> um, that me kind of working for myself and, and launching new businesses were, you know, some kind of divine message from God. Probably, yeah, it didn't go that way. Literally, I was working for an organisation. Um, it was a health and safety organization and um, I was doing international events. Um, I don't know if anyone knows Rossborough at all, but um, that's who I was working for. Um, it was a very kind of outdated kind of upright organization and they didn't really want to do much to come out of their um, shells as it were. Um, and I just remember having enough of doing international events and I had a young family and I wanted to spend more time home and I just kind of said that I was I was leaving like just a flippant comment and because I when I say something I follow through <laughs> I had no choice but to to leave and I remember at the time I was looking for a job um, in events because that's what I did and um I couldn't find any and my mentor um at the time um, a, a guy called Mark Reeves from, well, actually it was Laura um, from Trinity Mirror, but Mark Reeves was her colleague, um, sat down and was just like, you could do this on your own. Like, why don't you do it on your own? And the reason why, you know, they became my mentors was because in 2014, just, yeah, 2014, we had, I was shortlisted for a Young Leaders Award for the work that I was doing with the Academy. Yeah. And um, an inspirational young leaders award, and if you win the award, you get a mentor. Um, and it was put on by Trinity Mirror, um, which is it was Birmingham Hall at the time. And I remember thinking, there's only two people, two other people in the category, and I was young and naive then. <laughs> and I remember sitting in at the dinner table. You know what it's like when you go to these award things, Matt. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, I've got this. Oh yes, these people, yeah, there's no way I'm not going to lose this. award. I've never heard of these two people in my life. And when they read out the award when it wasn't me and I was like, oh my goodness me, like how could I not win this award? And I remember going away thinking, oh, I'm vexed. Like I should have won that award because I won the mentor. Um, and then um, I went away and then I kind of thought about it for a couple of weeks and then I got my... When something happens to me, I'm like, right, how could I create a better... How could I do something that's positive from this situation? Mm -hmm. So I did. So I went away and I um, launched then Inspiring Brom, which is one of our flagship events for the Academy. And I was like, no one's telling me I'm not inspiring. I am now going to inspire the whole entire city through this event. <laughs> so um, I launched this um, event, Inspiring Brom. And then I emailed Mark and was like, look, I didn't win. I really want the mentor. I've launched this event, blah, blah, blah. And he messaged me back saying, you know what, that I really admire this. I'll be your mentor. So I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. So um, so then 
that's how that relationship started. And then, so when it was time for me to find a new job and leave, he was like, no, 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 you do this on your own. You've mm-hmm. got the network, you've built up a following, you're doing great work with Aston Performing Arts Academy. There's no reason why you can't do it on your own. And I was like, well, I don't know how to, this is a bit too much. I can't do it. Yeah. And he was like, no, that's fine. True. Leave it with me. I'm going to do all your branding, your marketing, everything. And he did. Done all my stationery, business cards, everything. Um, and he also um, done my website. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. And then he also um, gave me my first job. So my first ever job was the Wow Brom launch for, for Trinity Mirror. Um, and, and I created and organized um, that event and got all talent. And it was, it was really, really amazing. And, um, and then they say that the, the rest was history. Then I was like, yeah, it looks like I'm doing my own business and events. And so that kind of, that's how that came along. And then I've always just been, if I get an idea or if something happens, then I'll just go along with it. And I, 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 I don't want to think, oh, I could have done this or I should have done that. Yeah. Like I always, if, if I feel something's incumbent on me to do it, I'm just going to go for it and do it. And then I'll look at the repercussions after. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so you're a risk taker. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I, you have to be mm-hmm. like, particularly in business, like you, I, and I always think, what am I losing if I don't do it? Um, so then we launched Candy Girl in 2017, both me and my sister. I was kind of more like a silent partner, but then everyone just kept saying, oh, you need to put yourself out there in the business. And I was like, I don't, it's not really good for my brand. I don't really want to do, you know, it's a female business, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. um, I just was like, you know what? It's just, I've just got to do it. So, um, so then we launched Candy Girl. That went really well. Um, yeah. It's a phenomenal business. It's the UK's first kids spa. Um, absolutely love it. I absolutely love what we do for young girls. And it's all about making them feel incredible. Um, yeah. Nothing to do with how they look, but more about how they feel. Um, yeah. I mean, and our whole aim is to inspire, empower, and to encourage, um, you know, young, young girls so they can feel amazing inside and out. And who doesn't love a pampered aunt? Oh, exactly. goodness me, I love, I, I, I love, pamper, like, yeah, I love getting pampered. Um, so that's good. And then um, I, I also run a, another social enterprise that I don't really speak about because there's no reason for me to speak about it on platforms, but it's a, a children's home, five bedroom children's supported accommodation unit for um, 16 to 18 year olds who are in care. And it literally is all about trying to, provide and help them for to to support themselves for life beyond care because usually when you're in care and you're 18 and your foster parent kicks you out that's it and you literally don't know how to wash a plate or wash your own clothes or do your budgets or anything like that so we have programs that help um you know 16 to 18 year olds get ready for life beyond beyond care which is in that's incredible uh, which is um really good and um but yeah, that's, I'd, if I see that, if I feel like there's a need for something, then I just, I'd be like, right, I'm doing it. Like, that's it. Let me just do it. Um, and you know, I've had many businesses and many businesses have failed. I remember both me and my brother launching um, a, uh, a mentoring company called Second Guardian. Probably lasted a few months and then we just didn't have a clue um what we were doing um we were buying and selling stuff on on ebay um when that first came came along and again it just kind of fell on the waistline like there's so many times where we've uh, i'm saying we've we've, we've failed and that it hasn't worked out but i'm just like well if it doesn't work out then i'll just try the next thing that's such good that's such an amazing thing to hear because i think what i think the biggest perception is and i'm sure that you can second this is that a lot of the outside world, especially, you know, young people that are coming up, they're just seeing the end results mm. of people's success. I mean, there's a lot of successful people on social media now and they just see the end results. They don't know all the hard work and the graph that's gone beforehand and the failures mm. as well. And I think um, people are quite shocked when they realise that there is a lot of failures there. Oh. And, and yeah, I guess... I've failed more times than I've won. Yeah. And I, and it's about that mindset. I use failure as 
an opportunity to learn and to grow. So I, I fail forward and that's a motto that I live by. Like I always fail forward and I use it as an opportunity to learn and to develop and to grow and and to try not to make those those same mistakes. And um, if we see failure as a negative thing, then you won't grow. Yeah. And I always, always, in particularly, particularly when I'm speaking to my children about life in general, um, failure is a positive word in our house and that's how I treat it. Um, and if they try and make it negative, then we always spin it so it's positive so they know that I want you to fail, you know. I want you to feel the hurt. I want you to use it as an opportunity to better yourself, to yeah. grow, to learn, to move forward. That's amazing. Because if not, then you just, you, you'll stay stagnant. Yeah. And the thing is, it is all about growth mm. and, and growth is about the good and the bad. Yeah. And it's all about failing fast, isn't yeah. it? So you, you're trying these things. And, and like you said, the problem with entrepreneurship and taking risks and growing is that it's like an iceberg. You only see that tip at the top that's mm. poking out the water. Yeah. 90% of that iceberg is below the water and it's filthy. Yeah. And, and that's what entrepreneurship's all about. And yeah. it's about failing quickly but taking the risks yeah liking it to um, learning a sport for example so if you want to learn to juggle you're going to drop those balls a lot more than you're going to have them up in the air yeah mm. and that's what it's all about yeah agreed absolutely mm. yeah 100%. i think I, th I think the worst thing you can do is not take the risk if yeah. you're um and that goes for, for those of you that are watching this as well as listening um you know and I, I, i'm sure both of you as business owners yourselves will will uh, agree that if you don't take the risk then you don't want to get to the stage where you're at a certain age, you haven't got the time anymore. We're only on this planet for a certain amount of time. And the worst thing, I don't know if you've ever spent time with people that are considerably old, they're in their kind of final stages of life. And when you speak to them about their, you know, their past, one of the things that's scary as, scary as hell is the regret mm. and the fact that they're never going to get a chance to do yeah. those things again. Yeah. So I would rather fail and take the risks. Absolutely. Than I, I, you know, I think, and, and you may have heard this analogy before, but, I, you know, one of my mentors said this to me many years ago and it's always resonated with me. And he, he said, you know, where, where do you think most of the ideas are? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about like in people's heads I don't know I was like <laughs> no where do you think they are and I said mm, I don't know I was like they're in the graveyard and I was like the graveyard what are you talking about you've done last your man <laughs> <laughs> and he said yeah like people actually die with their ideas and they don't act upon it and it gets buried with them and you do not want to be one of those people you want to take the risk you want to try things and if it doesn't work at least above all else at least you've tried and, and give and, and giving it a go and there's nothing worse than um not trying there is nothing absolutely worse than not trying mm -hmm. and i just I, I just think just if there's any advice that anyone has from this podcast is just try and see what happens and if you don't succeed then try again and again and again and again and you know if it's if you're passionate about it then you know it, it will be successful yeah what's coming through here strongly for me is that growth mindset which mm. is so important you know that can do attitude and the the grit and the determination yeah. is coming across mm. absolutely happy and also you got to remember you know you, you've got to also take into account people's you know, social and economical background. And for me, I had to learn very, very quickly because you were not born, particularly if you're from the inner city, you're not born with this mindset. You don't see people who are smashing the glass ceiling who look like you, that that you can be like, oh, wow. Like, so you, you're literally, your thinking is cocooned um in, in in some way and you're like okay this is what i need to be this is what i can be this is all i can be so it is a lot of working on yourself and it is a lot of reading books honestly that was a huge huge factor for the development in my kind of mindset and it is changing your circles and speaking to different people and surrounding yourself with more successful people so then you can be like actually i can do this i can do this and 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 
And I always say to people from my community, like, you need to get out of the community. You need to get out of the community so you can see more, so you can feel more, so you can know that more is is tangible. And that's why I always, always post um, any win, any success, any award, mm-hmm. anything like that, because it's, it's not really for me. It's actually, I want my the people in my community to see actually choose from Newtown or choose from Aston B6 um, and <laughs> look at him now like he yeah. he's actually doing it and I want to do the same um, so it's, it's so 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 important and people don't realise the effect of your upbringing and the effect of your surroundings and what that can do to your mindset 100% I think you, I think you hit on a, quite a few key points there I mean you know um, the community where you're from, a lot of those individuals won't have ha- won't see, you know, people that look like them that have the same background as them succeed. And I think, I think, I'd say the media doesn't always help because it portrays it will portray people that might look like them in mm. a really bad light, which makes them think, oh, well, I can only achieve this. Mm-hmm. When in fact, actually, they can achieve anything they put their mind to. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's really important. You are 100% right in terms of how important it is mm. that you kind of push your success out there. And it's mm. not about um, mm. a vanity. Yeah. What it's about is showing the rest of the community that from where you're from, mm. that it is, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the other point is, is as well, there's that, there's that saying that, it, you know, your success is based on the company you keep, right? Mm. So if you're, if you stay within that local area and it's not necessarily an area that's going to help you grow, then you're not going to go anywhere. So Absolutely. getting out of that area is really important, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, in the physical, but also in the mind, because you could leave an area in, as a location, but still be there in your with, within your mind. Yeah. Um. And and that's another piece of work that you you have to do and recognise and and work on. Just by leaving isn't enough. Um. You have to leave in terms of your your mindset and and broaden your mindset. And I'm not saying forget. I would never forget where I'm from. Like I'm, you know, B six to the die. Um, I'll never ever forget where I'm from and the lessons and the life lessons um, that my area has taught me mm-hmm. but I have left it and in the in the mind and, and my, my, my thinking now is a lot broader but the thing is with you Trude now you, you know you say you've left it but actually a lot of your time and effort goes back in mm, to trying to absolutely. help that, that area yeah. so doing a fantastic job there 100%. Education is something I'd like to talk to you about. Come on. So, did you enjoy school? Did I enjoy school? Um, that's a really good question. I would probably say no. And the reason why I would say no is because I I was a very creative being. And unless it was like I spent all my time in the music room, like that's just what we did. Um, and I, it was... I just didn't really like learning. I just thought the whole idea and the concept of how we were learning at that point just wasn't wasn't for me. I did okay in school, you know, I got my GCSEs and, you know, A to C's and managed to do A levels and blah, blah, blah. But I was just doing it again for kind of, oh, mummy wants me to get in. If, and a mummy wants me to graduate. Mummy wants this picture <laughs> on the mental piece with my character. What we're all gown. taught, though, isn't it? Yeah, what we're all taught. Absolutely. And I, I and but was I doing it for me? Absolutely not. Um, and I, and I know I wasn't doing it for me. I mean, I even know when I went to to college, I did media studies and A level English. You know, I was going to be this journalist for mummy. And and my brother went off and he did law. We went to separate colleges. Don't ask why. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just yeah. The reasons I'm not even going to go into right now. Um, but we went to separate colleges, and we both done different things that we absolutely hated. And then I just remember saying, "I don't like this." And he was like, "Neither do I." So he was like, "So we finished the year, and he was like, right, 
we're going back to another college together and we're going to do performing arts and theatre studies because that's what we love to do. Um, and we did. And I remember having that conversation. My mum was like, I'm not doing this anymore. We don't like it. We don't want to do it. We want to be together and we want to do this. Is that why you were kept apart to stop you from performing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we were... Uh, silly analogy, but I remember my uncle um, calling my mum and my auntie and my grandma and he was saying oh we need to have a serious meeting about the twins I was just like, oh gosh what's this meeting about and i actually remember like listening to them downstairs and they were saying we were that close as in just we were side by side as you will be because it's your twin brother yeah um they were like it's really dangerous and we need to get out and have our own life and if something happens to one then it's going to be impossible for the other to live and and it's not fair on us and you know we need to get out and we have to go to separate and the decision was when they leave school they have to go to separate colleges wow absolutely awful but i can give my own college facts because that's when i i went off and i met tara at college who mm-hmm is now my wife and we've got four kids and yeah you know i've been together for over 20 years and, and it's great and probably wouldn't have happened if i was still joined at the hit with my my brother but we absolutely hated it it was the worst thing anyone could ever do we felt like it was color purple being split up it's like no leave us leave us um but yeah it was it was um that was an experience that was actually quite a life um changing experience actually because it was Suddenly I was on my own and I've always had him with everything, like everything. But suddenly I had to learn how to stand and walk and create new friends and friendship groups. And it was just a completely new, new thing for me. And and being a twin is strange, particularly when you've got that person like every single day. So when everyone else was in college and, you know, on their first day and they were making friends and it was great, I, I just felt different. I felt like, cool. Where's my right arm? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's it, it, it's good for us. It's good for us. How do you think the? I want to get a little bit serious now. But do you think that the education system? What do you think of the education system? And do you think it's kind of letting our youth down? Oh goodness me! I think the whole, and I'm not going to be palatable here. I think the whole entire system needs a complete overhaul. That's the teachers, governors, the independent panels, the um, local authority, how it's done, the, the, the syllabus, the, just everything needs a complete overhaul. Um, I think the education system is... Archaic. Yeah, basically. And it's also been created and, and structured to not benefit black children at all and they get lost in the education system um particularly black boys there's no other explanation why they're like 10 times more likely to be permanently excluded um than their white counterparts it's just absolutely when i look at how that how the whole education system has been built i just it's it, it's just not created for 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 black children. It really isn't. And the whole from the curriculum, from um, how things are done, from you know representation, from the books that they're having um, that they read, from just it, it just for me, it just needs a complete and utter overhaul, mm. complete and utter. So, if you um, broad brush, if you could have two, three, four points that you could just wave a magic wand at with the education system. What are those big things that you would change? So, number one, I will have to have to have policies in place that protect black children. Believe it or not, we do not have anti-racism policies in schools um, as a mandatory thing. Um, so your child, if black and in a space that's predominantly of white people could be racially abused at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 10, 11, 12 upwards. Mm-hmm. And there's no policy that sanctions those 
abusers or reprimands or even offer support to to victims. So that's number one. Like that policies need to be created to benefit and support black black children within the education system. Um, number two, they have to be inclusive. You have to have an inclusive staff team member. I don't care if it's positive discrimination. I don't care if it's this uh, representation matters and you must, even if you can't find any black teachers, you must find one. You must, something's going wrong somewhere where either a black teacher doesn't feel confident enough to apply for the job or you're not making, or you're not making the right choices, but representation to young people matters and you must have some kind of representation at the top. Mm -hmm. 100%. Secondly, I think the whole discipline system around exclusions and you know the pupil um the pipeline to exclusion to prisons is increasing massively particularly amongst black children that needs to be that needs immediate intervention that needs to be looked into straight away because we still continue to fail our children if we don't look into it and don't address it um why do you think that's happening because i Honestly, I feel that when a black child does something, it's seen as violence, it's seen as threat, a threat, it's seen as... And it could just be a, a, a silly, silly thing. Um, and it's seen as... It's, 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 it's seen as 10 times worse than when a white child does something. And that's for a variety of reasons. It's because, again, there's no diversity across the board or the, or the top or the don't... Or the don't take the time to understand black children um and you know we just have to show up and we're seen as aggressive we're seen as violent we're seen as a danger um so when a child a child i'm talking about does something oh my god this this child needs to go this child mm. is a a threat and um Do and you it's think just that's because of the media as well true do you think the media contributes to that everything oh yeah 100 100 percent. i think when we speak on institutionalised racism, and, and that's obviously what we're touching on now, um, it's all intersectional. It's all like all institutions play a role. Um, and the young people at schools are, are a byproduct. So, yes, you know, the media creates certain narratives um, around, you know, black, particularly black children, particularly Stereotype. black boys. Um, they're criminals, they're knife criming, they're thugs, they get all that. Like, we very rarely see positive representations um, around black boys in the media. That plays into the biases of teachers and, and... And the subconscious. And Yeah, absolutely. And plays into their... And how they treat black boys. So immediately they become threatened by, mm -hmm. by black boys. I couldn't tell you... Even growing up, how many times people have avoided coming into the lift with me or how many times people have crossed the road because my just mere existence is seen as a, a threat and as violent. And it's just, it is, it is really sad, but the media plays a huge, huge role in perpetuating those kind of stereotypes and that kind of narrative um, for, for our children. What about like, ed, like history as well? Like, um, I know that <clears throat> obviously um, I'm going to obviously bring you in on this as well Matt just in terms of um, educational uh, you know being the founder and the owner of Oxbridge um, and having the um, the different courses that you've got there and um, history uh, history courses black history courses being like available in terms of do you think do you think black history is not really taught at all in schools? Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I hate the term black history. I know we use it for various re different reasons, but I do hate the term itself black history because it's kind of suggesting that it's a different type of history. Yeah. And it's a, and it's othering our history mm -hmm. and actually it's just history yeah. and it should be treated and included as such and that's where inclusivity comes yeah um 
but I get that we have to describe it as black history to to have these discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer the question, no, it's it, it's not. And if it is taught, it's very Martin Luther King or, you know, Rosa Parks or, you know, but we don't look into some of the... And, and it's always about slavery. Yeah. Always. Yeah. About, you know, slavery and how we came out and risen out of slavery but it's never about some of the positive things that we've done you know um nurse colon and all these positive figures who have done amazing incredible things and invented so many different things and 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 seen as it's it's never celebrated and then i think and i always say it's important for not just black children to have themselves celebrated in history but equally for white children so they can see that you know, black people have contributed to society. Um, so, you know, so when they are looking at black people and when they're getting, they're having a view of, of the world through through what the teachers are teaching them, um, there's positive representation for not just black children, but white children as well. Yeah. I think the other thing that's worth mentioning about the, the way that history is taught as well is that history is history. It's happened. We can't rewrite it. Mm. Um, and what's important from my point of view is that we we teach it across the board. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will make uh, enable us to make better decisions in the future and also be more inclusive because mm-hmm. we've seen it happen in the past. Exactly. And uh, I think you, you're right. And it, it has to be non-biased. I think... Yeah. History in schools now is almost like it's been dropped in a sea of what I would call whiteness and it's all pristine and it's all, even the history itself is structured to benefit white people. And, you know, it's, it's almost like some of the, the, you know, the great white figures are never beyond reproach. They're, oh, you know, we can't touch this figure, even though they may have done something terribly wrong. We're going to conveniently leave that bit out because this mm-hmm. is our superhero and our figure and we can't touch it. And actually, warts and all, you know, share it all. And then, you know, as you said, it's history. How do we learn from it? How do we move forward? But it's almost like we, you, you know, we, we, we have to, I guess create this environment where um, it's all pristine and it's all looking great even though and we conveniently leave out bits of truth um to to benefit and the reality group. is that a lot of history is dirty it's mm, horrible yeah, yeah and yeah. that's just you know how a younger society yeah. is and you know that uh, and that's part and parcel of it yeah. and we do need to know this stuff yeah. and it needs to be inclusive you're Absolutely. very right very mm. right um so going back, oh sorry, yeah, sorry go going ahead. back to your um, experience in education. So clearly, you you had an experience and realised it wasn't the right experience for you, mm-hmm. and you went on to change it. So, do you think what what advice could you give to other um, kids that would be in that situation, and about this whole mentality of failing fast? Mm-hmm. So you know, is there any shame in saying, do you know what, I'm halfway through a course, this isn't for me? <sighs> And swapping yeah. out and doing something different. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think there's nothing worse than continuing to do something that doesn't feed your purpose. I, and, and it's such a key word, purpose is a key word. Everybody's been placed on this earth to fulfill a purpose. And that's your purpose, not mummies, not your brothers, not anyone. It's your purpose. And if you're continually doing something that doesn't feed that purpose, then you need to stop immediately. You need to reassess and you need to do what you've been placed on this earth to do. And there is no shame or blame because the only person that's accountable for your life is you. And I, it's almost like silencing your existence and I just think that is such a shame. And you're silencing who you are for somebody else. Stop immediately and reevaluate and do what you've been placed on this earth to do. Well, what I would say true is clearly you love your mom a lot and she must be incredibly proud of you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, very supportive of, mm. of the things you're doing as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean mummy's mummy and we, <laughs> we still have... She doesn't actually quite still to this day understand 
what I do. And she's like, what is it that you do again? So you know, every Christmas I get, why can't you be more like your brother? So my brother did follow, you know, the traditional route. He's actually an assistant head teacher in a primary school. So my mum sees that as the pinnacle of, you know, this is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Just like, mum, probably earn the same amount of money, you know. But she, for her, it's about the status. It's about what can she tell Auntie Brenda? You know, my son, <laughs> you know, my, my son's a assistant head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know it's um it, it, it's mommy i mean when when she sees me on the tv she that's her auntie brenda in a situation <laughs> but you know mommy you know we shout out mommy we we, we appreciate and love you for for all of that well true it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show like it really has um and yeah if if people that have that are obviously watching this for the first time or coming across you for the first time, how can they kind of find you? How can they find you on social? What's the handles? Give give us those. Yeah, so um, all you need to do is go on my website, truepower.com, and all the details are there. But if you want to connect with me on socials, it's the same handle, true underscore Powell. That's T-R-U without the E and then Powell, underscore Powell. And you'll be able to connect with me on all my socials head over there give me a like give me a follow well true it's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you i feel like we could have probably gone another two hours i mean but uh, i think we're gonna get kicked out have we been an hour already (laughs) wow yeah have we i think oh wow yeah i haven't started (laughs) we haven't even started i'm feeling like episode two's coming on soon yeah Yeah, we'll have to reconvene i think we should definitely catch up again Mm. um 100 um and get you on the show again Mm -hmm. definitely um, and for those of you that want to kind of um, find us on uh, socials, obviously, uh, if you go to uh, Oxbridge, um, you'll be able to find us there. Um, search Oxbridge on socials. And also, uh, if you Google us, you'll find us on the website as well. Um, if you um, please could like and follow this uh, channel on YouTube, if you're watching this, please like and subscribe. You know what to do. And um, if you're listening to us for the first time on Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, and you've enjoyed this, obviously there's going to be many more uh, to come. We're going to have many more guests on. So if you've enjoyed it and you want to listen more, please uh, make sure you follow us. And um, yeah, I'm Rudy Hayward. This is Matt Jones and True Power. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having me. Thank you, honestly.